This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Genesis, to the book of Genesis today. And if you don't know this, the book of Genesis actually is the book of beginning. It's the beginning. It's the creation story. It's also the record of the beginning of man. And today, we're going to go straight there to the book of Genesis chapter number 2 for our third week of the series that we're in called Home for the Holidays. And if you'll look at this graphic that I have up on the screen, I, I, there's several ways of learning. One way of learning is visual. And I've chosen this picture that actually goes all the way back to my mother's childhood. I've chosen this picture because it really kind of captures the image of what I'm trying to teach this month. It's Christmas And these are Christmas messages that are just a little different than the norm. Uh, We're going to get to the Christmas story next week. But for the first few weeks of the month, I just wanted to tackle what I feel is some of the areas that are attacking our families during the holidays. And I want to get you to focus on what matters most. And that's the home. Focusing on your home. this, This applies to singles. It applies to married couples. It applies to family units with children. It applies, it, it applies to widows. It applies to elderly. If you are alive today, this series of sermons applies to you. The first one was the greatest gift that you can give in the Christmas season. Isn't bought at Dillard's. It's not at Academy. And I got tickled in the 10 o'clock service, because I live by the phrase, if I can't get it at Academy, I probably don't need it. Uh, But it's not even at Academy. Money can't buy it, and that is the gift of a healthy marriage, the gift of a healthy relationship. God wants to bless your family with not something underneath the tree, but with a healthy relationship. Last Sunday, I took it a little further, and we talked about The gift of a healthy family. And that involves in-laws. That involves children. That involves parents. It involves siblings. A healthy family for Christmas this year. Well, I have strategically placed this sermon on the third Sunday of December. The Sunday before our Christmas production next Sunday. I've, I've placed it here because I know what we're up against And it might be a little uphill preaching for me today, but it's okay. I'm ready for it. And that is giving for Christmas this year the gift of financial peace. Of giving the gift of financial peace. I'm I'm fully aware that most of the chaos and trials in our lives, in the culture that we live in, it really does come down to the dollar. And God's plan for you is to not live under financial stress. His plan is for you to live in financial peace. If you're ready to receive the word of the Lord, say amen to the book of Genesis. And you might say, why Genesis? Are, are you not going to, uh, you know, where, where are you going with a sermon on, on, on finances in the book of Genesis? You might be shocked 
where God's plan of financial peace starts. It's probably not where you think it starts. Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 15 reads as such, reading from the message, God took the man and set him down in the garden of Eden to work. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Everybody say, to work. God's principle of stewardship, his plan for financial peace starts somewhere that none of us want to talk about. It starts with he sent the man down in the garden to work the ground and to keep it in order. God's stewardship literally starts with work. Now, there, now some of you have had to learn something that you never knew. I know that the, the previous two services, I saw eyeballs wide open and light bulb aha moments in, in, in the people that have been here all day long. Work as we know it, teaching school, running wire for an electrical company, selling real estate, uh, being a plumber, jobs as we know it, selling insurance, maybe, maybe um, painting homes, jobs as we know it, putting roofs on homes or commercial real estate, jobs as we know it, driving trucks, work as we know it is the state of the fallen man. But work was actually installed by God before the act of disobedience of Adam and Eve. And most people aren't aware of this. Genesis 2, God set the man in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was perfect. Utopia. Garden of Eden was beautiful and lush and full of life. It was godly. And God chose to set man in the garden of perfection. And he said to the man, work the garden and take care of it. Now, you got to understand now, it's a huge shift of thinking. Our idea of work is, oh my God, Monday is coming. Our idea of work is, Thank you, God. It's Friday at 5 p.m. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's our idea of work is I can't wait to 65, 70. I can't wait to retirement. I'll never have to work again. Guess what? Our idea of work is grueling, tiresome, wearisome. It's toiling. It's struggle. It's, it's days in the sun. It's, it's mornings full of traffic. It's, it's not enough vacation time. Our idea of work is not being paid enough. Our idea of work is we don't have any benefits. Our idea of work is I can't save on this paycheck. It's too small. We have made work something awful 
and miserable. That's why we tell our kids, right? We say, I can't wait for you to get 18 and get out of my house and the real world's going to hit you right in the mouth. You're going to learn what it means to work. (laughs) Work as we know it was not the original form of work as God intended. God's original plan involved his best and man's working his best. Stay with me this morning. Because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, sin was introduced to the world. And as sin entered into the world, the very thing that brought about God's blessings became our nightmare. It became hard. It became troublesome. It became dreadful. The reason none of us want to work, we don't like work, we just do it to get a paycheck, is because that was, that was the plan of the enemy. God's idea of work is what produced the blessings of, of God on your life. Let's just go to scripture instead of just my thoughts. Proverbs 16 and 26. Proverbs 16 and 26. The appetite of laborers, workers, the appetite of those that work, works for them. Their hunger drives them on. Now, we can have two different... Two different takes on this according to the, uh, the commentaries that I've studied on, on this Proverbs portion of Scripture. There is the hunger of a belly, the actual need of nourishment, nutrition, that would make someone go and work for food. But then there's also, according to commentaries, an internal drive, a hunger. You've heard it said, you know, oh man, he's a hungry, he's hungry. He, you've heard it said, stay hungry. Well, God has placed a drive in every single one of us that wants, that craves, that desires more of his blessings in our world and on our lives. God's blessings come upon those that are hungry for it. And this is not going to be popular. I don't expect you to say amen. But the more amens, the faster the sermon. I don't expect you to say amen. But I will tell you, God's blessings come upon those that work. It's like that treadmill. It, it's all good and great. And then the computer of the treadmill puts it on an incline and your calves start burning and you start breathing hard. Worship at this church is like this. And then when I get to preaching about work, the treadmill goes up. And I understand what I'm preaching about and who I'm preaching to. Our culture has lied to us. Work is not the curse. Work is the blessing. And if you want the blessings of God, turn off your 1 a.m. tele-evangelist. 
You're not going to have a miracle tree sprout up in your backyard that produces money. You're not going to have miracle money. Money comes from labor, from work. And if you can approach work as the Bible approaches it, you will be blessed for it. Your labor produces fruit in your life. A man that labors is worth his hire, the Bible says. Let's stay with it here. Proverbs 12 and 11. Those who work their land... Every single one of us in the room has a garden. God has placed you in your garden. He's placed you in the classroom of teaching school. He's placed you at the, at the coffee shop as a barista. He's placed you as an electrician. He's placed you as a salesman. He's placed you as a business owner. You're, you're, you, you know, in this service, in this service there's doctors. In this service there's lawyers. He's placed you in your role in your garden. There are school administrators in this service. There are stay-at-home moms in this service. And you have a garden. It's called your children and your home. God has set you in a garden. And Proverbs 12 and 11 says, If you will work your land, if you will work your garden, you will have an abundance of food. The blessings of God require work. Faith without work is null and void. It's dead. And I understand we have a context there speaking of of salvation. And we're a, a grace teaching and believing church that believes that we are saved by grace through faith. But if it applies in this context, I will tell you, Faith, if you want to believe God, then wake up in the morning and go to work. The incline's just been increased a little bit more. I feel like I'm walking up a wall. Because we just want to believe God's going to, you know, we just, we're just going to get it. Something's good's just going to happen. I'm going to, it's that lottery ticket kind of mindset. I read recently that Americans' number one stress is what are they going to do with the billions of dollars that they're never going to have? <laughs> That's our stress load. Work. Everyone say that nasty word. Everybody say, work. God's first step of stewardship is working. Now, before you nitpick me, okay, because I know what I'm doing today. I'm setting myself up for a, a terrible text before you get nitpicking, before you wear your feelings on your shoulder, I understand there's some people that are physically, emotionally unable to work. I know there's some people that have looked for work and can't find work. I know there's, there's plenty of examples of why we should be offended by this message. But there's far more reasons to embrace the concept that is found in the Word of God that those who work their land will have abundant food. But then it doesn't stop. Those who chase fantasies have no sense. For all of us in the room that are raising children, 
and we only have a few years left with them before they hit the real world, as we like to say. I'm fixing to give all of us some, some, some currency for our pockets to spend uh, whenever it gets our time to talk to our kids before they leave our, our covering, our home. People that chase fantasies have no sense. In other words, you're not going to hit the lottery more than likely. You're not going to play pro ball more than likely. You're not just going to walk across the street one day and find that, that, that Hollywood theme and movie that there's a suitcase full of millions and millions of dollars. I was once time after, after church here at Calvary on a Sunday before we had three services, we had a group of friends from our church and we all went to Logan's. Logan's restaurant was too full. So we literally, we walked just, just a few feet over to Olive Garden. While walking to Olive Garden, I found a $100 bill. I found a $100 bill, and I'll never forget thinking, that's not real. Someone's videoing me. It's taped to the floor, and I'm going to be on YouTube before the day is over, the guy reaching for the fake money. So I was like cool with it. Nobody saw it, so I went. And it actually moved, and I realized it was a a real $100 bill. So I grabbed it, and I'm like, look at this. I found $100. There's some people that live in such a fantasy land that they think that they're just going to find that every day and it's always going to be enough to sustain them and they're never going to have to work. Don't chase fantasies. God's first step of financial peace is work. Thank you for the one lonely amen. So what do we do with the fruit of our labor? If God's plan has principles attached to it, after we work, we reap the fruit of our labor, the next question is not how much can I spend? The next question is how much can I give? It's really going uphill. Because now, all those guys and women in the room before that are hard workers, they're like, it's the best sermon I've ever heard. Everybody needs to hear this sermon. When I go to work tomorrow, everybody else needs to go to work tomorrow. What? Give. Typical preacher. Watch him. He's going to call for the ushers in a minute. Honey, put the checkbook up. That man up there in that cool looking suit is about to take another offering. I see it coming. No offerings will be taken. Just hear me. Work is the natural act of God's plan. Giving is the supernatural act of God's plan. Why is it supernatural? Because none of us in this room naturally want to give anything. The day you walked your little kid into preschool, you did not have to say, now don't you go in there and give everything else to everybody. Don't you give them your lunch and don't you give them your toys. You need to be selfish and greedy. Because you know what your kid said the first day of preschool is what my kid said. And it's what I said. That's mine. 
It's mine. It's mine. 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 And you're like, dude, take a breath. We get it. It's yours. And God looks at us and says, hey, Tommy. Hey, Richard. Hey, Susie. Take a breath. I get it. It's not natural for you to want to give. And if you don't want to go into the supernatural act of giving, then I hope you're ready to play by all of natural rules. Natural rules have a falling out that you don't want anything to do with. I hope you're good with everything that you have and you don't need anything else. But if you're like most of us, what you've done to your very best abilities You need it to be multiplied. You need it to be increased. You need something supernatural to happen. It happens when you move from the natural aspect of work only to the supernatural aspect of giving. You move from the work of your hands to now the work of your heart. And when God can get a man or a woman that's willing to work... And when he gets a man or a woman that's willing to give, everything changes. Because he now has the natural of the seed of, a, of, a, of that's fruit that's produced from labor and nurturing and taking care of the land. To now we have a supernatural miracle that takes it above and beyond what it's ever been valued at. Bishop Ron Lyles, my pastor, said this on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, but I'm sure everybody here was there, and I'm sure you have good notes on that message, and he said, felt like that? He said something so profound. Hard work produces success. In other words, there's a lot of successful people that have their success by nothing short of just pure hard work work. Hard work can bring you success, but giving produces blessings. Natural, you can work hard and you can do well for yourself. And you'll always play by nature's rules. It is what it is. But if you want to go to another level, if you want to live where the math doesn't add up, if you want to literally experience the, 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 the supernatural blessings of God that surpasses a 40-hour, a, a 60-hour work week, then you go and put your 40 and 60 in, and you take what your, what, what, your, what your work has produced, and then you do something special with it by giving. By giving. Here's how the Bible puts this, this idea of giving, first of all, it's found in Proverbs 3 and 9. Proverbs 3 and 9 in the King James Version of Scripture. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Honor God first. This is all rooted in something that you might or may not have heard of. It's called the tithe. The tithe is the first gifts back to God. And some of you, some of you are familiar with the word and you don't even have a clue where it's come from. It's found all the way back into the priesthood of Melchizedek, 
But the greatest lesson that we're taught is actually in the children of Israel when they're leaving Egypt, they're sojourning to the promised land. And when they arrived to what the promised land produced, which was milk and honey, it had a great abundance of blessings. The people of God took the tenth. They took the first tenth, the tithe, and they took it to the Levites. And they basically said, God can do with us more with what's left than if we did not give this. We're going to trust God to do something supernatural with what's left than keeping it all for ourselves. See, they had already seen the miracles of the crossing of the Red Sea. They have already lived the miracles of manna in the morning. They have lived the miracles of bitter water being made sweet. They knew that all things had come from God. They knew that he was their source. Can I just drop this on you real quick? I think a lot of us think our source is a boss. Let me tell you something. All that boss is, whether it's an HR department or a personal uh, relationship with an employer, whoever's writing your check is just the middleman. God is your source. And I can get really firm on this. The only reason you woke up this morning is because of God. And I think we we live in this fantasy, no, I worked for that. I did that. No, God allowed you the grace to do that. And when you know that you know that God is your source, you want to give him what's first right back to him. You want to put him in first place in your life. You want to make sure that he knows he's not second, third, fourth, fifth place in your life. So you honor him first. Is this making sense, everybody? We're just looking at God's principle. See, everybody wants that. Everybody wants healthy marriages. They don't want to do what it takes to have one. They want healthy homes, but they don't want to do what it takes to have one. They want healthy finances, but they don't want to do what it takes to have healthy finances and financial peace and freedom. There's some people not afraid to work. They'll go to work. But they're missing out on the supernatural element that comes on top of work. And that is shifting to being a giver. See, generosity, generosity keeps things that we own from owning us. I'm going to say that again. Generosity keeps things that we own from owning us. You've heard me say it this way. There's nothing wrong with having money. Go work and make a lot of it. Make as much as you can make. Go to school for your, for your graduate degree. Go to school and, and get great jobs that pay big bucks. Nothing wrong with having money. Just don't let the money have you. How do we guarantee it doesn't have us? Be willing to give. And now you're going to go into a degree of the blessings of God that are greater than what you can produce by work only. The, the Bible goes on to t- telling us to honor him with, with our first, the first of our increase. Let me give you a third step in God's stewardship plan. And you know, most of us in the room are saying amen about hard work. Very few people will be upset with a sermon about hard work. Most people They're like, that's a good preaching, preacher. Preach to them people about going out and working. There's a smaller crowd that 
really wants to say amen about giving, it kind of shrinks down a little bit. And then that small crowd even gets smaller on the third step of God's stewardship plan because that involves saving. We work and we get the fruit of our work, our labor. We give because it's not enough. We can't work enough to get what we really, we need God to do something special. We need God to show out. We need to give God our five fish and, and two, we need to give him our, our, our bread and our fish rather, and we need him to feed 5,000 with it. So we work, we give it to God and let God do something special with it in giving. But then God says, I've done something special now. I need you to be disciplined with it, and I need you to save a portion. Now, I want to be real clear. I'm not, I'm, I don't have any Bible scriptures concerning how much to save. I just have this, and I believe it's enough to get you motivated. The Bible, the Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 20 that the wise, everyone say this out loud, I want to live like a smart person. I almost want to say, say this out loud. I'm tired of being dumb, but I'm scared you'll get offended. <laughs> I want to live like smart people live. Well, smart people work. Well, I don't want that. Well, you, you won't be smart. Smart people work. Spiritual people give. The Bible says wise people store up, Proverbs 21, 20, they store up choice food and olive oil, but the fool gulps theirs down. So here's a good example. I find that $100 bill, Madison. I find it over by Olive Garden. Wisdom says, wisdom says, take the blessing of God Take that blessing. I didn't work for that. I hope you're on your A game. I worked from a paycheck. And then out of nowhere, this weird thing happens and I find a hundred bucks, right? Wise people would take that hundred and put it in their pocket. Fools says, let's go and get like a whole bunch of ice cream. For everybody. Because I'm a baller. So I'm buying blizzards for everybody. Minis. Because <laughs> it's everybody. The Bible says the wise stores up. For what? For a rough patch in life. You got to understand. You're still living in the fallen state of man. It's called medical bills. It's called... Cars that don't run right. It's, it, it's, it's called sick leave. It's, it's called, it's called uh, flat tires on the way to work and you have to miss a day. We're living in the fallen state of man. It's called taxes. <laughs> I was expecting somebody to say, preach, preacher, 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 preacher. Boy's anointed. Boy's anointed of God. That's the Holy Spirit preaching to him. The fallen state of man. We're in real life, guys. And life wants to suck us dry of everything that we work for. There's only one way to stay on top of it. 
And that is work God's plan and don't allow life's plan for you to win. We've got to win. We've got to call the shots from the word of God. And that is we're going to go to work. We're going to give spiritually through our giving. We're going to pray over it. We're going, to be, we're going to be good givers. We're going to think about where we're giving and the soil we're giving to. We're going to sow it liberally and we're going to bless the work of God with it. We're going to tithe. We're going to give, give, give. And then what we're going to do is, God, you've, you've blessed me with some things. And I'm going to be a good steward and I'm going to save some. Because I know that I'm just one phone call away from having to spend a lot. How much, pastor? You got any scripture on that? I, I don't. I don't have that. I know what, what my dad brought me up doing. My dad wasn't a preacher. He was just a hardworking guy, just like most of you in this room. He got, that, he got the concept of working. And my dad really got the concept of giving. And luckily for me, I learned from my own dad. Non-preacher, he wasn't a preacher. So see, everybody gets a hang up on these preachers about money. My dad was just a hardworking guy. And he said, if you're going to give that much to the church, you ought to give the same amount to yourself. So take your, take your $100 bill, give, give $10 to the work of God, and put $10 away. Live on $80. Now, some of y'all are looking at me like, there's no way. And I'm going to talk to you why we think there's no way. Because cultures lied to us that we're always going to have income. Guess what? You're not always going to have income. You may go through being laid off. You may get sick. You may have, you may have a situation that calls on you to become a caregiver to someone. And if you're not, and let's not even go that extreme. How about we just go something easy? You may have to buy you a new vehicle one day. And instead of having to finance all of it, you may have a little nest egg put away for a down payment. Is this making sense to you? Why are you doing this, man? Why not tell us about the gospel? I think this has got a lot to do with the gospel. God doesn't want you to be a slave to the lender for your whole life. He wants you to live in freedom. Most of our families are being busted up. That doesn't exist most of the time because of money. Husbands and wives can't get along because of money. Kids and parents can't get along because of money. Can't get along in our own brains because of money. Money has become a trick of the enemy. And God said, if you'll just go back to the beginning, I'll help you with it. Go to work. Get a job. Give some to me. Because I need to know where I rank in your life. And matter of fact, don't just give some to me. Give some to your back pocket. Put some away. Because it's going to be a day you need it. So my dad lived by this rule of thumb. He's going to get his paycheck. And he's going to give the church that first tenth, that first tithe. And he, he chose to give, he and my mom, he chose to save 10%. When Every paycheck. They tried their best. There were days they couldn't. There were days they could do more. And then coming down the line in life, they didn't have to be takers and borrowers. God had blessed them to the point where they were free. Free. Everybody wants that. They just don't want to do what it takes to be that. So let me close with 
the big issue. God's principles don't stop with just work, with just giving, with just savings. But God's principle continues. Because what we have left, we're going to spend. The catch is to spend wisely. A lot of folks, man, they just, they just spend. They just spend instead of spending wisely. If the car is $25,000, why don't you lean on them a little bit? Lean on them a little bit and get it for twenty-two. If the interest rate on the mortgage is, you know, when you're, when you're at the table and the interest, they're saying the best we can do for you, sir, is at, you know, 5.5%, 6% in this market. Why don't you just lean on a little bit and say, well, I got a little savings account. I'm going to buy that point down. I'm going to buy my interest rate down a little bit. Spend wisely. You know, you're, you're at Target, you're at Target, right? You're at Target, and that, 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 that item at Target's 20 bucks. You know, take that smartphone out with that little cute app and zap it real quick and say, oh, Best Buy's got it for 15. Spend wisely. Just trying to help some of us get ahead. How do we get ahead? We go to work. And then we go supernatural with it. We take what, what God's given us and we give it to God and let God multiply it and increase it. He takes our little and makes it much. And then we take the much and we save some of it. And now we have something to live on and do life on, but we're not going to abuse it. We're going to be wise with it. Here's where we get in trouble with our spending. Jeff, you can come help me close. This is where we get in trouble with our spending. Here's types of spending. Don't raise your hand, okay? And don't point. There's ego spending. Seen it time and time again. The husband, he can go buy that new Ford pickup. But the wife, she's going to be shopping at the dollar store. My God, going to keep you on a shoestring budget, honey. But I got that new deer rifle. Ego spending. It goes the other way, too. The wife has 15 Amazon boxes at the door, and the husband's having to pull 65, 70 hours a week just to come home and look how many boxes. They're at the door. Ego spending. Because some folks in the home thinks it's all about them. You know, in my marriage, there's no doubt about it. We laugh about it. Denora, I can give her 20 bucks and three months later, somehow she's got 60. I have no idea. She's as frugal. Me, you give me 20, I've spent 25 and don't know how I did it. I'm back asking for more. Most homes have a spender. Wisdom is we identify the spender and we communicate to the spender with love God's plan. Most homes has a spender. Most homes has one that's, that's a little bit more slow to spend. Just don't be an ego spender. It's not all about you. It's about that. It's about that. Then there's something called entitled spending. Because you think you have a right to blow it all. Because I want it. Entitled spending. 
Then there's something called emotional spending. And let the church say that, amen. You know that emotional spending? They call it retail therapy. I'm down. That text message hurt my feelings. So I'm going to go blow me $100. Make myself feel better. People have emotional eating, emotional spending, emotional posting. If you're down, stay off Amazon. Then there's extravagant spending. You know, champagne taste on a beer budget. 8.30 didn't respond well to that statement. (laughs) They just kind of looked at me. It's okay. He's, He's doing that for them 11.30 people. They'll understand. And then there's something called exhausted spending. And that is you're so tired because you've spent so much that you're broke. And right back where you started. The reason I'm preaching like this on this Sunday is because Christmas is coming. And I'm trying to help you not pay off your Christmas in April. Do the best you can for your family. But don't do so much you regret it. Merry Christmas. Let's give the gift of financial peace, not financial stress. Stand with me today. I want to pray over you, my friends that are here this morning, this afternoon rather. I want to pray that you have a great, great holiday. But I pray your holiday is spent with focusing on what matters most. What is it? Your home, your relationships, your friends, your family. You, focus on what matters most. Not stuff. Be healthy this Christmas. How do we do it? Healthy decisions. Let me pray over you. Father, I just bless my friends right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I come to a conclusion of these first three weeks in this month, ending another great year, I just pray that we'll give the best Christmas gifts we can give, and that's healthy marriages, homes, and families, and healthy finances. You've been so good to us. We want to be good with what you've given us. And I pray this blessing upon us in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big